This is called Two Windows. Two windows made of glass. One is black. One is clear. One window shows me elsewhere. The other shows me here. One window illuminates a world seemingly gone mad. Spectacles of hatred and everything that's bad. The other instills calmness with clouds up in the sky. Green grass with dandelions and songbirds flying by. The first window is bright, but the light is artificial. The second one is lit by none other than the sun. The first window is selling things and telling me they're beneficial. Window two has far less for sale than does window one. The first window shows me people who lie and steal and cheat. The second one has children riding bicycles down the street. From the first, I get the notion that sex is no big deal. My wife is pregnant and the other one, proving miracles are real. I see her stewarding the garden with her hands tending to the dirt. Meanwhile, on the first one, I see people getting hurt. The first window has programs and channels to peruse and lots and lots of opinions masquerading as the news. Information from the second indicates that there is a breeze by the leaves there gently swaying on the branches of my trees. Window one, I gaze straight into. Window two, I look right through. Window one is done with a button. Two turns on with each new dawn to start the day anew. Oh, what would be if window one were here no more? Would stories revert to verbal like they were in days of yore? Would the pace of life slow down? Would attention spans increase? And what about the rate of crimes? Would their quantity decrease? Perhaps that day will never come. So all I can do is ponder while I glance outside the second one, which inspires me to wander and get to know the world I'm in, the domain in which I dwell, the one that I feel warmth in, the one that I can smell. Window one can be fun, but it also likes to steal my time and my emotions and my sense of what is real. Window two is just a window, and it's clearer when it's clean. Better to fix one's eyes on nature than to fixate on the screen. Let's hear it for Benny Wills, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, that is Benny Wills. I am James Corbett. You're tuned into the Corbett Report, and I believe that's the first time we've cold-opened with a poem recital in one of these interviews, so <laughs> first time for everything. Absolutely incredible. And for people who don't know, um, I I'm sure some of the older hands in the audience will probably know Benny Wills as the conspiracy guy from Joy Camp, but I'd like to think that the newer people in the audience will probably know him as... Benny Wills, or maybe the poetry guy. At any rate, uh, we're going to find out more about him and the work that he's doing. And I will introduce this conversation by 
hearkening back to a conversation that I had at the beginning of this generated crisis earlier this year uh, with my good friend and guitar teacher, Vinny Caggiano, where we talked about spreading love, not fear. And I was emphatic in that interview that we are heading into dark times and there is going to be a lot of turmoil and unrest that is going to occur. And we're going to have to go through the tunnel before we see the light. And one of the most important things, and I genuinely mean this, and I will stress it again, one of the most important baseline things that we need to do during this time is to retain our humanity, those things that connect us with the human nature, the human spirit, like art, like music, like poetry, like all of these things that you may think are secondary, but are not. We need to nourish our souls during this time, not just our brains. And that's why I am very thankful for the work of all the people out there who are doing conscious art in various ways, including, of course, Mr. Benny Wills, who you can find at YouTube. You're not going to make me plug a YouTube channel, are you, Benny? Well, I do have a YouTube channel, but you can also find me on BitChute and Brighteon. Yay! Excellent. All right. Well, we're going to we're uh, we'll link all of them, even for the. YouTubers out there who want to watch you on GooTube. But we will definitely link all of those different sources. And I'm going to start right off the top by recommending that they check out a recent post that both you and the uh, Joy Camp channel had recently called Allegory of the Cov. If you have not seen it yet, I am not joking. Stop this video and watch that video. It is six minutes long, but it is very much worth your time, I think. Uh, It is... uh, I don't know how to describe it. I suppose people who are familiar with the old Joy Camp might just think of you as a comedy troupe, which you certainly are. But this is obviously beyond that. And people who haven't been familiar with the evolution of Joy Camp's work over the years may not know that essentially you're creating little pieces of art that truly have the ability to drop truth bombs in ways that people are not expecting and will get around their usual defenses to conspiracy theorizing. And let me just echo the comments, uh, and I'm going to go to GooTube for a comment. Can you believe it? But at any rate, the comment here on uh, this GooTube post uh, on the conspiracy, sorry, on the Joy Camp channel is from UK Dina Walker. Uckdina Walker, I'm not sure how to say that, who writes, after viewing this, I sat for several minutes having no desire or ability to move. I burst into tears halfway through watching. In six minutes, the three of you broke through the current reality and showed us exactly what most hypnotized people do not want to see or are unable to see. And I echo those sentiments. I didn't burst into my tears myself, but at any rate, I was moved by this. This is definitely a piece of art that gets people thinking on a much deeper level about the significance of the times that we're living through. So stop the video now and go watch that video. And now that you've done that, we can talk about it in some more detail. Uh, Benny, tell us about this video, how it came together, what the impetus uh, for this was, and uh, why you decided to put it out there. Sure. Well, the impetus was to create something with my friends when, because we had the chance more than anything. Uh, Joy Camp was, or is, I guess, my, my comedy group, but obviously it's more than comedy, that I established with my friends back in 2012. We made lots of content between 2012 and 2016. And then I up and left Los Angeles because it's a portal to hell. And I live in Washington, so the Joy Camp production has slowed down considerably. And I had an opportunity to go down there and spend a weekend with my friends. And so we wanted to film something. And obviously, uh, a certain pandemic was rife for our creative minds. And we uh, we created that video. And we it came up 
in a conversation that we were trying to think of what we could film when we were together. And Tony mentioned that he had an idea for allegory, something to do with allegory of the cave. And it was so obvious. It was like, Oh, of course this is the video. And it was uh, pretty self-explanatory. I mean, we didn't have to put too much thought into it because it was such an obvious allegory. Allegory of the allegory. Yeah. No, and, uh, I, I 100% understand because often, and myself and others have likened the allegory of the cave, it's like watching the TV screen. So why not just make that literal? That is what people are doing. And it is it is the literalization of that allegory, which plays on so many different levels. But I think you should clarify, you didn't move from the Los Angeles portal of hell to the Washington, D.C. portal of hell. Oh, you moved no, no, to no. the other Washington portal of hell. <laughs> which is also, yeah, its own uh, has its own problems, but actually we're we are now, my wife and I and my unborn child are very strongly considering moving to northern Idaho mm -hmm. and escaping this state. Doing another escape, this time from Washington. Yeah. Although where we're at in Washington, gotta say, isn't that bad, but we kind of, I don't know. I just like the way things are going. I want to be away from the city, but yeah, I'm not in D.C. and definitely not in Los Angeles. Well, a lot of people are, I think, in the same boat as you pondering what to do next, where to go next, what what move to make on this increasingly complex multidimensional chessboard um, that is changing seemingly by the day. And it can be disorienting simply just to get a grasp on what is happening. And that's why I think people are more and more turning to maybe outlets like the Corbett Report that are offering news and analysis. But as I say, we start to lose our humanity when we concentrate solely on the news of the day. Uh, and that's easier and easier to do specifically because of what you were talking about right there at the start here with your opening poem, which was called Two Windows, Two Windows. That's right. Uh, which uh, is, again, a perfect literalization of of an allegory or metaphor that, no, literally, you are looking at either this window or that window. And uh, I have made that point several times that, you know, if I looked out this window, I wouldn't know anything about this COVID existential threat to humanity. Exactly. I wouldn't know about riots happening in the U.S. I wouldn't know about all this craziness in the world. I would see a beautiful, sunshiny day, people walking around, walking their dogs and living life. It's almost like we are living so much in the mediated environment that we can't even appreciate the actual real world around us anymore. Tell yeah. us a little bit about the origins of that poem that you wrote. Uh, well, it I... I write a poem a month. That's my commitment to myself. I'm doing it for about three years now. And it came time to write a poem. And I was sitting right here thinking about trying to find inspiration. And I had been taking notes off and on about a poem. I wanted to write a poem about the television and all the words that are associated with TV, like programs and channel and, and remote control and like do something about that. And as I was sitting here trying to construct it, I kept looking out the window to as I was thinking, and then it just sort of emerged. I was like, oh, there's, I get this, when I'm too preoccupied with the, with the screen, I feel all kinds of things that I don't feel when I'm looking out that window. It's, it is like two worlds. You know, it's like the old Bill Hicks joke, you know, all the doom and gloom on the TV and you look out the window and it's just birds chirping and everything's okay. And I, I don't know, I, I just ran with it and commented on the juxtaposition between the two and you know, finding that balance because it is important to stay informed, but also to, to de detach and, you know, recalibrate and <sighs> ground. <laughs> I almost asked you 
the worst question, the stupidest question that is asked of writers at all times was, I was going to ask, well, so did you write this one on pen and paper or on the computer? <laughs> Which generally is a stupid question about your process and where do your ideas come from? But in this case, it really is a question. Can you detach in order to write or do you write plugged into that matrix? I mean, it does affect the work that you do, I think. Interesting. I write mo most of my poems at the computer, but I will jot down ideas when I have them. But it's easier to, I don't know, I've just gotten in that habit. I can format them more easily and I can see the structure and right. it's easier to... Well, I hope people backspace. will notice sometimes, <laughs> I, I mean, most of the time I'm sitting here at my desk in front of my computer and working that way. But sometimes I do go outside with a physical notebook to just talk to a camera, but still talking um, in a more natural setting. And I think it does make a difference to the way the work comes across and what it what it means and the way that I'm relating to it. Um, again, Absolutely. these things that people might dismiss as not being important, I think are essentially important. Again, it's about retaining our humanity and our connection to the actual world, which is, of course is the point of Two Windows. How yep. do you maintain your humanity in these times? Well, I'm really focusing on solutions now you know it, it's for so long i was trying to wake people up and i still think that what i do is a good tool to offer people because it's artistic i mean it's a bite-sized morsel that people can usually listen to and not get too offended by or whatever but i think it's become very clear to me that it's time to take action i feel like i'm still ahead of the curve as far as whatever's coming because I don't see things getting much better, you know, in the from the uh, powers of be. So I have a baby coming. My wife is due to give birth literally any day now. And I'm really internalizing what I've learned over the past 15 years more than ever. I want to keep my family safe and healthy. And I want to learn new skills. I mean, I this is definitely put into focus how lacking I am in some basic survival skills. So I'm you know, in the process of leaving the city and learning how to garden and homestead and building a community that I really trust. And that's, uh, that's really, and, you know, to answer your question more specifically, the baby, the baby coming has really been a way of keeping me out of my head and in my heart and not so worried. I was really, I mean, it's a very concerning time, but I don't know, a couple months ago, cause I was pretty we got pregnant right before the pandemic hit. So Sonia found, we found out we were, she was pregnant when, while we were at Anarchapulco in February. And then the pandemic really, you know, took off mid March. So her pregnancy has directly paralleled everything that's happened this year. And I was pretty worried at first because I thought, man, what am I doing? Is this the right time? Like uh, I'm bringing a kid into the world now, but then something just, changed it clicked i was like wait a minute no this kid is coming right now for a reason it's meant to be there's this is the perfect time for this new life and i'm the perfect person to be his or her father and sonia is the perfect person to be its mother and we are doing a, a service to humanity by bringing a kid into this world and uh it's exciting and then it activates all that survival stuff too so yeah, the baby's been a really grounding force for me to keep from being afraid. 
Yes. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that because that is something that I keep going back to. So many people have been programmed with their fear. Oh, I, you know, I wouldn't want to bring a child into this world, but I absolutely 100% applaud and support you guys for, yes, here's, here's one on the winning team. Yay. Good. Another one for good. Otherwise it's idiocracy, man. That's, that's like literally the plot of idiocracy. People who opt out because they're, because of the conditions of the world. Well, show me a time when things weren't tough, you know, yeah. we have, this is our, this is our brand of tough. Maybe it's even the culmination of a lot of other times. I don't know, but yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's, as if people a couple hundred years ago, whose child would more likely than not die within the first couple of years, as if they didn't have hard times bring, bringing yeah. children into the world or right. you know, people and fighting wars need, or whatever. The next generation needs to be nurtured and taken and cared for by people who are thinking and seeing things. And I don't have the full picture, but no one does, but I can, I can, feel was I've been paying attention for long enough to know that I can, I don't know, I'm, a, I'm in as good a place as anybody to navigate this storm and ride the wave and raise a new life and be a good father. Absolutely. And, uh, I know you've heard it from everyone, but let me echo the sentiment that as as much as you're feeling that right now, it will be be magnified a million times when you are holding your child in your hands. That's going to be. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm so excited. Transformative so event thrilling. for sure. And yeah. yeah, speaking of being grounded in our humanity, what more literal grounding in the human chain of being can you have than holding a new life that you have created and brought into this world? That is it. That's what I, human human life is about. It's amazing that I can, I love this person so much and I have never met them yet. I don't even know if it's a boy or a girl because we're waiting. But oh, wow. I would already give up my life for this child and uh, I have, I've never even met him, him or her. It's amazing. It's weird. Yeah. So why are you going to call him James or Jamie? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, uh, James has been floated. My dad's <laughs> first name is James. So I do uh, like the name James a lot. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I think it's a good you name. You can have Jamie, you have Jimmy, you have Jim. Like, there's so many. You can do a lot with that name. All it's right. a strong name. So, all right. So, tell people who don't who don't know and aren't following your work right now what it is you're doing in terms of your media and what, what you're putting out there and what you intend to do going from here. Sure. Well, my main thing has been poetry for the last couple of years. In fact, you were the first person to really allow me to announce to the world uh, that I was shifting fully into being a poet. And it's been a wild ride ever since that interview that we had. And it's taken me all over the world and it's got me to all kinds of events and and uh, I've emceed some conferences. I mean, it's really like opened up doors and 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 it's taken my art to the next level because Joy Camp was great, but it was a group thing. And this is really I don't know the the the, uh, the response I get now as a poet is people are really, I don't know, deeply touched by a lot of the work I do. And that's awesome. Now that said, I'm shifting into a new phase, which is helping. So I'm offering, I'm now shifting into a being of service in a way, because I have a lot of skills that I think I can, that I can empower people with. And that's the ability to communicate more freely. So I'm actually about to launch a course called Parhesia, which means to speak boldly or freely. And it's in three parts. Uh, the first part is how to get over stage fright, how to get over fear of speaking in front of people and also be engaging while doing so. And the second phase of the course is how to talk to anyone and not be a conspiracy theorist. 
how to bridge the, how to bridge the gap between people that you love or care about and how to keep them as your friends and family without burning that bridge. So how to talk to anybody. And then the third part is to how to find your voice through your artistic expression. So I just finished the beta course and with a test audience and it went amazingly well. I think I'm, I'm as excited about this as I am. I have been about anything in my life that I've endeavored into. And so that's the next phase is really giving people the tools to communicate better because now more than ever, we need to be able to communicate. And I think I can help in that regard. I, yeah, I could not agree more strongly that we need that more now than ever, because 100%, as people know, divide and conquer has always been a tool, a strategy, but obviously that's being ramped up by orders of magnitude during these times. So much. And people are, yeah, burning bridges left, right, and center and delighting in it. And that is mm -hmm. not, it's not good. We don't win by burning bridges and creating enemies. Yeah, exactly. And we need to not let people go and not just give up on each other. Because like you said, we are being intentionally polarized and divided. And I think social media is one of the primary culprits of that. So one of my main things is to tell people that it, avoid having arguments online. Avoid it. Just don't do it. Talk to the person. If you care about the person, talk to them, even if it's on the phone. But avoid that sort of back and forth tense where you can't hear the inflection can't see how it lands on the person when you say something that is destroying everything. I think that social media is social distancing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Social distancing is the word of the year, the decade, the millennium. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So how can people and when and where will people be able to find out more about Parthesia? Sure. Well, I can get you a, I guess I can send you a link that you can include in the description wherever this video ends up and just contact me. Benny at BennyWills.com is the easiest way to get a hold of me. BennyWills.com is my website. YouTube.com slash BennyWills is the best place to find all my videos, but I'm also on BitChute. Um, but yeah, I'm very easy to get a hold of. So if that's if anything I just said is intriguing to you, contact me, Benny at BennyWills.com, and I'll write you back, and I'll, uh, let's talk. Excellent. Well... Talking about poetry is like dancing about architecture. So how about actually having some more poetry? Benny, would you like to close out with another poem? I'd love to. And first of all, thank you so much for uh, doing this. I love your work. You know that. Sonia loves your work. You have you are one of the one of the heroes of our time. And I think uh, I think most people would agree with me. Anyway, this is something I wrote last summer before I was married, before Sonia was pregnant, but I, we were talking a lot about having a, a child. So I wrote a piece thinking, what is, what would I like to relay to my child? What, at this point in my life, what wisdom do I have to share? And now we're going to have a kid. So it's even more resonant for me. And it's called Little One. And it goes like this. Hey, little one, relax and take the day. Forget about tomorrow, let go of yesterday. Hey, little one, I know you've lots to do, but time forgives, so time permitting, you'll have your follow through. There's lots out there to blind us, little one, from the beauty that surrounds us.
Traps set to beget forgetting, we are consciousness encompassed. Distractions cause inaction, and lust can lead to greed. Gossip seeds to jealousy, resentment fuels misdeed. So smile, little one, smile every day and often. If tears arise, let them cry till joyfulness reblossoms. Be patient with the ignorant, they know not what they know not. You too have yet still more to learn, perhaps still more forgot. Hey, little one, feel the grass between your toes. Let sand slip through your fingertips. Take pause to smell a rose. Forgive the ones that hurt you and pity those in power. Their needs corrupt them absolutely, the taste of which is sour. But you, lucky little one, you know that life is sweet, that discipline springs to happiness, indulgence ushers grief. Take a load off, take it easy. Let the world around go by. Let loved ones know you love them with a twinkle in your eye. It's okay to say I'm sorry. It's okay to say goodbye. It's okay to say no thank you. But it's not okay to lie. Hey, little one, let opinions rearrange. Allow yourself abundance. Humbly be the brilliant change. Take risks and be adventurous. Playing safely can be dangerous. Little one. Hey, relax and take the day. Have fun, you funny little one. Enjoy and laugh and play.